HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, everyone. You are listening to In the Drink. I'm Joe Campanelli, the uh, beverage director and partner of Delanima, Lartuzzi, Anfora, and La Picho restaurants in New York City. And I'm very excited today to be here with a very good friend of mine, a superstar in the wine industry. It's true. Uh, Anthony Giglio. Anthony, he's uh, just one of the greatest guys. He's a journalist, a sommelier, an educator, an author. He's written um, several wine guides, uh, including Food and Wine Magazine's Wine Guide in 2009, 10, and 11. Uh, He's a contributor to La Cucina Italiana, one of my absolute favorite magazines, Uh, Travel and Leisure. I can't keep up with all of them, but many more. And we're going to talk about a piece in food and wine that I wrote recently. And we're going to talk about a, f- a piece in food and wine. I was all um, excited to ask Anthony about uh, this piece that he wrote about in food and wine. Uh, I was reading it just this morning, actually, about how much he uh, despises blind wine tasting. And then what, do I, what happens when, uh, when he gets here? He has two wines for me to taste blind. <laughs> what <laughs> to prove a point. Deal? To prove a point. Well, t- well, tell us a little bit about why you don't like blind wine tasting. Um, it's not that I don't like it. Um, I, I have a theory, and so this, this, is, this is a circuitous route to this answer, is that you know, having dedicated the last 22 years of my career to helping Americans relax about wine, and that is you know, I, the great, for me the great irony of, of, of if I could draw such a, a blanket statement, is Americans are the most opinionated, confident, forthright people on the planet until you say the word wine. And then no one has an opinion, or at least most people don't that I talk to. Or they're afraid to say the wrong thing. Or there's, they think there's a right answer and a wrong answer to what they're drinking. Or they're afraid to admit that they like big, buttery, oaky Chardonnays in the 80s style. Uh, I'm, and I'm here to say I'm not here to judge. Um, I want everyone to relax and remember that at the end of the day, it's fermented grape juice and cut the pomposity of it all. So blind tasting, I think, is great for us who, you know, we're studying to be sommeliers. And I, I confess, I'm, you know, I'm the bane of most sommeliers because I studied to be a sommelier only for 
the vocabulary and the education and um, let's say the technical prowess to put that into effect as a writer. I'm a journalist first. So I'm not practicing on the floor. I worked at Windows on the World for two short seasons, um, and, and that was the end of it. So I've just taken what I learned, and then I use it to make a really practical application. Um, blind tasting was really important because it helped us to learn to identify what, you know, what makes things stand out, different characteristics from different places, different grapes, different wines. But it's not a parlor trick, and it's not something that should be taken lightly. And I'm seeing more and more of it thrown into the mix of parties I go to. Like I, I, everywhere I go, people put a wine in front of me and say, what is it? And I don't want to play this game. Um, and in, so in Food and Wine, in, in the October issue, I convinced Ray Isle and Dana Cowan to let me write what starts off sort of as a rant. But you know, it's, I think most people will get that it's, it's part, you know, just me being sarcastic too, that I just don't want this to turn into the next reality show. And I was at a restaurant in Piedmont, and I was with some editors and uh, wine writers, and we're all talking about the amazing list of wines from Piedmont on the list. And the waiter, who we think is the waiter, is also the owner. And he hears our conversation and decides that he wants to uh, play a trick. So he brings two decanted wines in carafes with no labels and says, So tell me, which one is from Piedmont and which one is from faraway Tuscany? I leave it to you. And he walked away. And then it you know, I, I mean, it turned into Game of Thrones. We were yeah. all like, you know, it was, it was, a, it was just, it was, it's an, it ruined everything because it would turn into arguments and fights, and it was, it was fun, but it was annoying. And I just wanted to sink into the beautiful fonduta with duck egg and white truffles, and, and not, not bother that. I mean, I think I love. I actually really enjoy blind tasting, um, but not at the dinner table. <laughs> you know, when you're at the dinner table, it's it's time to just relax, yeah. and enjoy. And and I've done a, a quite a bit of. of of blind tasting. Um, but I don't think that's what, that's what separates someone from being a great sommelier and, and not a good sommelier. A really great sommelier is someone who can find the wine that your guests really like and, uh, show them a really good time. You're right. as a sommelier. You're just, you're just a host. You're, you're someone right. who's, who's bringing, bringing the fermented grape juice, bringing the wine, bringing the, bringing the joy. Uh, it, and being able to, to blind taste the wine and nail it isn't, isn't always the, uh, yeah, it isn't what separates a good Somali from a great Somali. No, but, you, but you've been around our, our, our brethren who, who always love to... There's, there are those yeah. who like... There's, it's like the kids in the courtyard, is it? You know, there's always the alpha males or the alpha females of the group who want to stand out, and that's, that's what I see. And you, we were talking mm-hmm. about this earlier. You've even been invited to, to participate in them. So I'm saying I'm getting press releases now that invite yeah. me to consumer wine tastings that end in blind tastings. And, you know, I, I, just, think it's, I just think it sends the wrong message. People are going to be terrified again to talk about wine. I don't want people to be afraid to say what they like. And there are a lot of people who are afraid to say, I like the Pinot Grigio or I like the White Zinfandel um, or, you know, or the boxed wine even. I mean, I get that a lot. So I'm just here to say, relax. And, and I don't want this to turn into the next reality show competition on, you know, that follows Top Chef. So when everyone else relax, but you want to scare the crap out of me with this blind tasting in front of uh, someone no, I, I really respect. You know what I want to do? I want, I want to, I, I, it's, it, was, it was just the thought I had this morning. I was walking out. I said, you know what? I'm going to bring two, because I'm working on this story for my column in La Cucina for the December issue. And um, I called in some off-the-beaten-path wines from Italy. And when I got them, I thought, these are nuts. Like, I would never, one I might know, but it's in a style that's unfamiliar. And one, I would never guess in a million years. And... I w- I'm not here to say that you should be able to guess it either because I don't think anybody could guess this. Okay. Um, but I, but I want to take. It tastes it f- a lot of Italian wine. <laughs> okay. But I, I want, well, great. I want to take it from there though, then to to talk about what I wrote in Food and Wine, which is when I when I interviewed um, Sabato Sagaria, the um, the master psalm at the Little Nell in in Aspen. 
he came up with such a brilliant answer that you know that that when I, I interviewed a whole bunch of psalms for this piece, but he's the only quote that made it because it was the smartest. So should we should we taste real quick? Let's taste. I'm going to pour two on. I pulled the corks already, okay. although I know that makes great radio sound. Um, I did it ahead of time, so um, let's just call this glass number one. Glass number one. And I'm going to give it to you. Actually, I'll, I'll pour a little. I can tell from here it is. Uh <laughs> red, red wine made from grapes. All right. I, I was just going to say, don't tell me you're going to guess this already. Come on. Um, um, you know, the, and the interesting thing, I think, and, and it is kind of how you get to to your conclusion. I mean, if any, if someone just smells a wine and says, oh, I could tell that that is this exact vineyard and vintage and whatever, because maybe they just had a memory of it. That, that's, yeah. To me, that's not interesting at all. But if someone has a very... Um, you know, conclusive way, and they're they're giving a lot of evidence as to why they're getting there. I think that that, that that's what tells someone's a really good right. taster. Right, right, all right. So, so you said this is Italian. They're both Italian. They're both Italian. All right, so that's a. And you are you are familiar with Italian wine. I'm familiar with Italian wine. Well, how do you describe the color? Uh, it's a a medium, uh, deep medium deep red. Okay. Uh, um. Doesn't seem but, to be too old, right? There's no browning. So there's no young. browning, and the color goes all the way, pretty much all the way to the edge. So I'd say it's a pretty young wine. Um, it doesn't look like it just from the color. It doesn't look like it's particularly concentrated. Mm-hmm. So just from the color, I'm thinking it's probably a cooler climate uh, wine. Okay, and just let's let's settle the one other, one other question: Is it sparkling or still? Oh, this is a still red it's wine. Still red wine. Okay, so it's not bubbly, and it's not staining the glass at all. So, which, which, again, leads me to think that it's probably a little bit of a cooler climate. Here's where you might guess right away, because it's pretty familiar to me. But I guess I, I'm prejudiced by knowing what it is. <laughs> what I smelled last night, because it's not what it should be, even though it smells like what it is. How, that's the riddle. It's not what it Does should be. Does it remind be. you of any? How about this? Does it remind you of anything? Let's just start there. How would you describe the aroma without having to guess anything else? What would you describe this aroma as? What fruits come to mind or earthy nuances, like anything? small, red, crunchy fruit, like, like cranberry. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost got like a vino novello nose to it too. There's something um, uh, like macerated, freshly macerated grapes, almost like Beaujolais, but it's not wrong country. Oh, Beaujolais was the first thing that came to my mind. Right, like, wait, wait, but we're in Italy. Right. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay, okay. See, it, it, it does remind me that. So that's that. That would be part of the guessing game. All right, it's hard after a macchiato. I'm going to take another sip. All right, we're taking a sip. Anthony's doing is he's puckering his lips. He's bringing a little retronasal, sucking in a little air. <laughs> um, know, people ask about retronasals. I say, does anyone here understand plumbing? It is the vent. You need the vent, which is your nose. You know, people are always thrown off when I say, if I put a clothespin on your nose and serve you pickle juice, you will taste nothing. And that just escapes. It's, it's so obvious, but it escapes a lot of people. High acid red wine. High acid red wine. Absolutely. Cold climate, you were right. Cold climate, high north, acid central, red wine. southern Italy. Where do you think? Uh, it's got to be. This has to be there, like the in the Piedmont, Valle d'Osta kind of situation. Yes, yes, yes. Um, just to play that, just to play the odds. It's probably I'm thinking like in the Barbera kind of camp, but if not, then close, I'd close. go up to close. And here's the, here, here, so here's the fun part. It is Bracchetto. It's bracchetto in a still version, which I've oh, never had before. It's so aromatic that makes yeah, sense. It's so. I mean, once then you smell it again, you go, "Of course, that's bracchetto." But yeah. the but without the bubbles, you get thrown right. It's so, so it's, aromatic. It's uh, sotimo, 
Uh, I'm sorry, Sotimano Mate, 2011, Bracchetto, um, sent to me by my friends at Skernik. And uh, I thought it was really, really interesting when I, ta- I had two bottles, so I tasted one yesterday. And it smells like Bracchetto, but without the bubbles, you're completely thrown, right? That's delicious. It's and really, I'm looking really at the, bo- great. the bottle says it's 14% alcohol. That's, yeah. in the scheme of things, that's pretty high. Buried under acid, you don't it taste it. It doesn't feel like it at all. Yeah. It feels like light bodied. So, I really think that's, that's, that's an interesting talking point because, um, you know, a lot of people now, even people who, I think that's a, that's a talking point for a lot of people to mm-hmm. talk about the alcohol. They, yeah. Like, they need something to say. People go, oh, I like this one. Oh, it's so high in alcohol, or it's not so high in alcohol. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if you go back to the European and American paradigm where American wines are so much fruitier, um, here we have that acid that's so inherently European that it'll bury even the alcohol underneath it. Like, it's so much more refreshing. If this were a 14% you know, Napa Valley wine, it would taste like a 14% Napa Valley Zinfandel, let's say, like, you know, something from California. Like the that. acid balances it out. I think it, it's beautiful. For those of you guys who have never had it at home, I, I absolutely, I really love uh, Brachetto in its more conventional form yeah, as well. Yeah, me too. Brachetto is usually a, a, a sparkling almost a rosé it's a pale a pale red sparkling uh wine and it's um it's a, it's the party favorite at every time i pull it out people love yeah. i think it's a crowd pleaser and it's it's unknown sparkling red just is off-putting i don't serve it in champagne flutes. i think it's gross to put no, it in thin no, no. flutes you put it in a, a white wine glass yeah, like this exactly made just in the same style as moscato d'asti um from the town right next right next door and it's really fun and incidentally i think it's the lowest alcohol wine Brachetto and Moscato are the lowest right. alcohol wines legally allowed, which right. is a nice thing. Yeah, this one, uh, this is not the standard. Though. The, the one that we just uh, had is not, not the same. Um, John, when I already said, yeah, I just poured the second glass. Second uh, glass of again an Italian wine. We're we're, we're having fun bl- with the blind tasting, but um, if we were doing a comparative, this one is darker, much deeper in color. Um, still looks very very young. Um, yeah, no, 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 the halo is. Almost invisible, practically. That glycerol around the rim. There's no browning at all. No browning at all. The color goes all the way to the edge. Sometimes with with older wines, you see that the color starts pulling back from the edge. You get a, a watery, uh-huh. a watery edge, but the color goes all the way there. Nose is very interesting. Completely different than the last one. Hmm. What are you smelling? Much darker black black fruit, crunchy fruit. But it's funny. It's Black fruit, fruit, but not overripe. So I, I always, when I'm tasting wine, I like to think not only about what what kind of fruit it is, but what state it's in, right? If you, I like to think of large categories first. Is it fruit? Is it animal? Is it vegetable? Is it oak? All right, it's fruit. Is it uh, citrus? Okay, I've determined there's some citrus in this, right. and then. Citrus can be very different if you're talking about lime or pineapple. Those are both citrus fruits, right? But yep. a tart lime and like a canned pineapple are two very different things. So say you say it's pineapple, and then what's the state of that pineapple? So I'd like to think about not just the fruit that's in there, but kind of what state the fruit's in. This to me is, uh, it's definitely black fruit, but it's just ripe. It's not, it's not like overripe black fruit. It doesn't feel like it's particularly warm climate. Maybe it's a grape has black fruit character to it yeah i also think it's 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 a monster in in that it should be decanted like it's, mm. it's not giving up a lot to me right now it's it's kind of hidden maybe that's maybe that's it as well um kind of reminds me of a, a rhone valley yeah wine but we're not in the rhone we're not in the we rhone. are in italy we're in italy let's Uh-oh. taste it let's taste wow 
See, that's confusing. <laughs> it is because you think it's bigger than it is. Finish the finish isn't as tight. Yeah, there's there's less structure on that than on the lighter wine. That Brachetto actually had a little bit of tannin even. And yeah, this is this is really soft. A lot less acid. Yeah, it's less it's, acid, it's just, less like, tannin, less soft. It's, it's just, soft across the palate. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely more black fruit than red. Whereas the Brachetto was to me all red fruit. Um, but yes, yeah, that softness. You know, what it has that, and when you said the Rhone, I think of um, that chalkiness of violet candy. Mm-hmm. You pick up on like great Gigandas. Yeah, it's definitely more like the Rhone in terms of the floral Rhone as opposed to like the herbaceous or animal. There's there's none of that like black olive or or bacony kind of thing. Yeah, I get from the true, true, it's, true. It's more like the pretty, the yeah, the lavender violet kind lavender of flat violet. floral kind of things I pick up. All right, you ready? To, you ready to see what this is? You're yeah. gonna take any stab at all? And this is not to put, this is not to make you feel like you should know this because I can't imagine you ever would. I had never heard it in my life. The one thing, okay, it's <laughs> God. It reminds me of. Come on. No, because it's it's very it, it is familiar in in a way. Um, I do think it's a. Uh, uh, a northern, a more yep. northern wine. You don't get like the rustic quality or the or the structure that you see in in southern wines. If it if this was in the south, if it, to have this kind of uh, texture to be soft like that, I feel like it would be would be either a lot riper. Um, right. You you were in this region earlier in Valle d'Osta. Yep. Okay, so it's Valle d'Osta. Valle d'Osta is really interesting. It's one of my favorite regions. Uh, so tell it, us it, where tell everyone where it is. So Valle d'Osta is a little river valley that cuts through the. Uh, the Swiss Italian Alps on the border of France, and uh, you could see Mont Blanc from the vineyards. You see Matterhorn. Um, they have it's really interesting because you have grapes that are from Switzerland, France, native Valle d'Osta grapes, Italian grapes from Piedmont. Um, I'd probably say that this is the Fumine if it's from Valle d'Osta. Cut it out! Are you kidding me? What this is Fumine from Valle? D'Osta. Is Fumine? Is it, it is Fumine? <laughs> That is unbelievable. It's just, I, I love Valle d'Osta wine. Gorgeous, I love I love the label too. This wow. um, it's Triolet. Triolet. Le Triolet. Like I mean, in the Italians they just get fonts so much better than most American <laughs> label designers. And it's uh, Valle d'Osta Fumine. It's so it's eighty percent Fumine, um, and then twenty like Rouge or something. Uh, twenty percent of um, Gamaret. I've never gamaret. heard of that. I know, they'll probably say the teeny up there, but it's gamaret or gamaret. Yeah, because most of the most of the reds in Valle d'Osta are are lighter than this, yeah. and then Fumine is the one grape where you do right. get like because I love that they ha- I love that they have yeah. ro- they have Syrah up there. They do um, have Syrah there. Yeah. So I thought you might say Syrah when I said Valle d'Osta, um, but no, it's it's. And there's some great Syrah. Like Crete Syrah is pretty. Yeah, yeah, Le Crete is probably the most famous, right? All right, well that that was fun. <laughs> um, but guess what? At the end of the day. <laughs> At the end of the day, Sabato Zagaria would put these two down. Or actually, his what, what, what Sabato at, at um, Little Nell said he would do. He said most most customers come in and are completely intimidated by his, you know, his his master sommelier pin and mm-hmm. the beautiful cut suit, and they say whatever you'd like to recommend. And he said that doesn't give me anything to work with. So he leaves and comes back with the Pepsi Challenge, and it's um, one mainstream familiar wine you know from familiar wine grape of course we'll say is it red or we going red or white and they'll say red let's say so you might bring you know a, a classic napa valley merlot or cabernet or something you know something classic and then something off the beaten path like maybe one of these and then put them down and just say 
there's no right answer. Taste them both. Which do you like? And he, and he engages them into talking about this one is fruitier, this one's drier, this one's softer, this one makes my mouth water. And then I'll say, but at the end of the day, which one do you like right now? And then they'll say, I like that. And he'll say, then you like this. And that's terrific. And let me just tell you about the other one. And maybe you want to try it later with food and see what happens. But it just gives people vocabulary and a place to begin. And he could say, and if you like those kinds of wines, I might also suggest X, Y, and Z from the wine list. And it's just, it's a way to get people out of that you know, terrified shell. I've got to meet this guy because I completely agree that the only goal for wine, the main purpose of wine, is to bring enjoyment to people. It's it's one of the one of the yeah. perks of being alive. Um, but with <laughs> well, that, well said. <laughs> with that, uh, we're just going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back shortly on in the drink. We're here with my friend Anthony Giglio. Thanks a lot. You're listening to something good by Renee Lopez on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast regional forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. All right, we're back with In the Drink. I'm Joe Campanelli, uh, here with Anthony Giglio, my good friend, the wine educator, author, all-around fun wine guy. We're going to do something that I think is is fun. We're going to do a quick rapid fire, what would you drink in this scenario question. Okay. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. All right. Um, let's, let's start off really easy because uh, Anthony... <laughs> Anthony is uh, comes from a great big Italian family. I know on on Sundays they uh, at least throughout the summer they they get all the all the great tomatoes. I've seen pictures of it. it. Looks amazing. I'm just dying to be invited over for for cooking all of the the they they make tons of tomato sauce. Last them the whole year every Sunday. What would you have with uh, with your family spaghetti and tomato sauce? Um, I love great dolcetto. So I like a little bit of that high acid. I pair acid with acid in that case. Acid with acid, dolcetto. Okay. Anthony is a world traveler. and talk a little bit about his travels next time. What do you have on the beach somewhere in southern Europe? Let's say on the beach in France. On the beach in France, I'm going to have a beautiful uh, bandol rosé. Bandol rosé. Okay. We're out here in, uh, we're out here in Bushwick. Um, we're at Roberta's Pizza. What do you have with your friends with pizza? Oh, God, it's wide open. But how about a sparkling Lambrusco? Okay. How about bowling? Bowling. Uh, it's going to be red wine. Um, I don't know. Bowling, to me, 
I want to have a little. I want to get. A, I want to put a little. Uh, I want to put a little buzz on. So I might go for maybe a, a high alk Zinfandel, maybe. Nice. And then let's see, one last one. Do you ever sneak movie into the movie? Do you ever sneak sneak wine into the movie theater? I'm a master sneaker, and I use Coke bottles. I sneak wine everywhere I can. So smart. Yeah, I use a Coke bottle. They never know. And then what do you? What, what wine do you put in that Coke bottle? <laughs> Anything I can get my hands on. Where, where am I going to the movies? Um, I, I would actually want to know what the movie is, and then I could tell you like, oh, this is the theme for that movie. But um, okay, I'll let's, tell you, let's, I, I let's keep, extend. Keep, let's extend our, our our rapid fire comedy movie. A, com- <laughs> <laughs> a comedy movie. Uh, a good crew Beaujolais. I don't know why. Action thriller. Action thriller. Um, action thriller is going to have me on edge. I need to. To calm down, I want a big red to, to put a, I think like like a Valium, so a big, a big New World cab. Silent French film noir. <laughs> uh, I'm going to the Rhone. I'm going to say, <laughs> let's do a, a, a Vaqueras or a Gigondas. God, you're such a good sport. I had uh, uh, Chiara Pepe from Medio Pepe on this, and uh, I asked her the, the bowling questions, and she's like, why do you ask me such stupid questions? <laughs> I, had I, a, I refuse to answer this. <laughs> I, I met with her that same week, and she brought some dynamite wines to my office. Holy cow. Oh, from man. The, from the 80s. I just went to uh, Battersby the other night, uh-huh. uh, which is fantastic, and uh, actually brought a bottle that she, that she gave me, the 1984 uh, Multiple Chanda Bruto, which 84 was a te- really terrible vintage everywhere in the world, but uh, when you have a great producer like Medio Pepe, yeah. it's pretty delicious wine. Yeah, her wines were spectacular. I had, um, I, she brought me an 80, 84, um, 83, 84, and an 89, and those all were actually really important years of my life so i was going through with her what you know what each meant to me um anyway i digress so wait what any more rapid fire or not that's it you won okay yeah you have 500 points the, the, the coke bottle the coke bottle <laughs> i'm telling you, I, I i i am the i'm the subversive you know before the shoe bomber ruined everything for all of us and we can't bring any liquid on planes i, I was shoe bomber. i was always the one bringing stuff in you know in different bottles so the flight attendants wouldn't be able to catch us have my own soda for my kids, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, I bring I bring the soda bottle everywhere I go. That's right. So where where are you going now? Where have you been recently? Um, well, Food and Wine Magazine um, sent me on a cruise from Barcelona uh, along the south coast of Spain through the Straits and down to the Canary Islands, and I got off in Madeira. Um, so it was pretty wild. And uh, on the way, I stopped in Mallorca and went to Anima Negra, which is just this magical winery um, in the middle of nowhere where they make spectacular wines with a pretty unknown grape called Cayette, C-A-L-L-E-T. And it sounds French. And, you know, all of, all of Spain, you know, at least in, you know, in, in and around, um, uh, you know, the, you know, Priorat and Barcelona and all that, they, they, they'll, they'll tell you, like, you know, I met with Rene Barbier years ago, and he said, you know, we had Garnacha before the French had Grenache, and we had Mourvedre before they had, you know, and, and on and on. So there's always this fun competition. So I asked... Um, the winemaker uh, is Cayette French, and he said only in sound because <laughs> it <laughs> sounds like, that. but it's not. It's not because you would think it's spelled like C A I L L E T T E, but it's just C A. What, what, what do these wines taste like? Uh, they're 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 big, big brooding, dark black fruit wines. Um, really gorgeous. On they have a Anima Negra on and uh, on two, and you, they're easy to find. Actually, they're distributed totally. here in the U.S. Um, but. Uh, Worth seeking out. You'd walk right past them on the wine shelf if you weren't, if you'd ask questions. But um, maybe we could put on the uh, on your website where where we could find them. 
Absolutely. Did you happen to stop at the Canary Islands? So I got off before we got there. I went to uh, Madeira and then came home because my wife was about to divorce me if I didn't get off the party boat (laughs) and get back home to help our two kids get into school the first week. Well, uh, Madeira is certainly one of my favorite wines, but the Canary Islands, I mean, wait, I'm just so enthusiastic about them. We have a ton of Canary Island wines at, uh, at Anfora. There's uh, an importer, Jose Pastor. I don't know if you've had any of the wines he's imported, but they just make these thrilling, just really terroir-specific, like unique wines from all these crazy indigenous grapes, and I, I love them. Yeah, I got to get over. I haven't been in for in, in way too long. I could, it's been whole, too long. The whole summer passed. I was in Italy for a while, and then I'm, I haven't been there probably since June. Um, so I'd love to taste them, but um, Madeira. Here's what I like to Madeira. Have Madeira yeah. So of course the Madeira, you know, at the airport, the you know, you go to the airport lounge and they have a, a wide array of Madeira by the, you know, that you could pour yourself, and they were dry Madeiras, really beautiful dry Madeiras, and they you know, they had like savory snacks and the dry Madeira section, and then the sweet Madeira and the you know the cheeses and, and dried fruits and nuts and things like that. And I I'd never had dry Madeira, and it was it was an, a revelation to me. It was beautiful. It was very much like sherry, mm. very much like sherry. And it's something that, you know, again, I think sherry is such a hard sell already for Americans to wrap their heads around. We don't need another category like dry Madeira. But for me, it was, it was eye-opening. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wish we'd sell more sherry at the restaurants. I, I got the uh, beautiful La Bota sherries at, uh, at Lertuzzi. Um, I, I think they're just really thrilling and just could not sell them to save, like, to save my life. It just yeah. wasn't, it wasn't happening. But for some reason, people do, like, we do sell a little bit more Madeira than we do sherry, but it's kind of like an end of the meal sort of thing. So we don't have the sweet cherries. People do, are looking for something at the, at the end of the meal. And sometimes it can be thrilling to have an older yeah. Madeira. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did, I did enjoy it. Every time I go to Spain, I mean, I was in Barcelona for just one day, but I love that at that, you know, that happy hour, which is eight o'clock, not mm-hmm. five o'clock. Um, people are having sherry of all different levels of dryness with fantastic little tapas. And, and it's just, it's such a, to me, it's, it's such a great tradition and, um, and a way to unwind. And they're so interesting. And, you know, I, I can't talk enough about the different styles of sherry and, and how, how well they pair with so many salty, savory snacks. And, you know, it's still, it's, it's arm wrestling with most people. They just can't wrap their heads around it. They think of sherry, they think of, you know, their grandmother's, you know, dusty bottle. That's you know, sitting on the kitchen counter, heating and cooking all all day long. It's just, yeah, yeah. I think you know. So Sherry's been a kind of a recurring theme on the show. I think every wine professional is just screaming about how amazing Sherry is and how underrated it is. Uh, what what is something that you personally feel like other than other than Sherry? Because I'm with you. I, I think Sherry is like the greatest thing, and people should drink. It's inexpensive. Other than it's Sherry. versatile. But what what else? Do you I think, I, think um, well, I mentioned earlier my my, uh, my pizza party one would be the brachetto. Um, I'm sorry, not brachetto. Um, lambrusco. I think lambrusco is completely unrecognized. And you you know we've been talking about it for years mm. um, in in the restaurant trade, let's say. Um, but that wine is so versatile. And every time I pour it um, out for friends, they say, "What is this?" And because it, it's this odd, very pale, uh, slightly fizzy you know, deliciously refreshing food wine. And people say, what is it? And I say, it's Lambrusco. And people of a certain age will immediately go to Rianiti and say, oh, I, I, I thought this was terrible. I thought this, I'm not supposed to like this. And I'm like, no, you know, Rianiti was a party wine in the 70s and it, it had served its purpose, but this is what dry Lambrusco tastes like. It's a totally different, this is what the Italians been holding secret for until the last 10 years, I'd say maybe five years, it's really coming into play. But it's so delicious, so affordable yeah. and, and goes with everything. Yeah, incidentally, if you need a little diversion from a boring work day, you 
Google or YouTube the uh, Reuniti on Ice commercials from the seventies. <laughs> they are just hilarious. Uh, but I mean, but certainly also kind of quite detestable. They, they sort of did for for Lambrusco what George DeBuff did to uh, did to Beaujolais. They they just made people yeah. think that is ju- it just could only be just an, an, an a low quality just. Yeah. Like unspecific kind Again, of product, and, and you know, this is this is you know this is our job to get it out there. But it's also I also look at the governments over there and say like your job to make it easier. The the ten crews of Beaujolais, the ten names that are on every that could appear on every bottle of quality Beaujolais, lead no one to to understand that that's also Beaujolais. So when you see Moulin Avant, or you see Brie, Brie, the, you know, which is in every ice bucket in every French restaurant you'll ever go to between June and August. It's it's served like white wine, but it's it's red and it's ice cold. And it's absolutely delicious with everything. But you look at the bottom, you see Bruyi, unpronounceable in English as Bruly. And but if at least it said, you know, parentheses Beaujolais, it would at least help us when we say you need to try real Beaujolais, not the Nouveau, not the party wine, the third Thursday of November. That's supposed to expire by Christmas. You're never supposed to drink it after that. Um, in France, they don't even drink it the day, the, the Friday after Beaujolais, Thursday. It's not even drunk. Um, real Beaujolais, Cru Beaujolais. There's ten names. And you know the only way to figure it out is to ask a good a good merchant, ask a good sum like you, or email me or Google me, and I'll tell you. But um, it's it's not easy, and that's the wine that's really. Or really follow delicious. you on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at WineWiseGuy. At WineWiseGuy. Facebook Anthony Giglio, um, and my website is AnthonyGiglio.com. And uh, yeah, I mean I'm with you. That that if I if someone were to ask me the same question, the most underrated region Beaujolais. I I just absolutely love Beaujolais. Well, Anthony Giglio, thank you so much. Uh, I always have a great time and learn a little something when, when we're hanging out. Um, definitely, please, everyone, just uh, check out Anthony's, uh, Anthony's articles in La Cucina, Food and Wine, Travel and Leisure, and so many more. Follow him at Wine Wise Guy on Twitter. I do. Um, always dropping some really fun knowledge. And thanks again. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.